Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. This is the Court Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Friday's edition of the programme, John Paul taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. In the last hour, I was chatting with Simon on The Breakfast Show and we were mentioning a post that's gone up on our Facebook page of an unfortunate incident that happened in Little in Mallow yesterday where a car ended up going down these steps. Obviously, I'm assuming either somebody thought it was the exit or somebody was thought they were in reverse and they shot forward instead out of a parking space and they went down rather steep steps. Anyone who knows where Little in Mallow on the Park Road is will know how steep those steps are for where pedestrians can enter the shop. Um, somebody's making the point and we were still trying to find out I'd love to know what happened and, and because nobody was injured thank God and the car has been removed and hopefully there was no damage or very little damage done to the car but it was just such an unusual sight to see this car parked halfway down steps you know tilted down steps uh, John says uh, Patricia didn't that happen on the first day of the doll a number of years ago with Mary Mitchell O'Connor remember that she drove down the plinth and that's coincidental because what happened in Little happened yesterday and the first day of the doll was yesterday as well so yes John well remembers that's exactly what happened because I know people were joking last week in advance of the first day of the doll to make sure that for the new TDs entering to make sure that they knew where the plinth was and where there were steps and where the parking, the car park was for all of the various TDs and talking of the first day of the doll, it's all over the papers today and there's some great colour photographs taken because it is a great day for new TDs, first time TDs because they get to bring their family uh, along and I know there was uh, lots of uh, pictures I saw uh, Christopher O'Sullivan from uh, West Cork and Holly Kearns from West Cork. It was the first day of the doll for them. Uh, James O'Connor from East Cork who now is the, the baby of the doll even though we better stop saying that he'll probably get sick of, of being referred to as that but he's only uh, 22 and of course he's so tall he really stood out yesterday but there were some great colour pictures of the Healy Rays. They, I think they took two train carriages up from Kerry with them and they had a little bit of a hoolie outside the door and I saw pictures of Michael Collins and the crew from West Cork big big gang went with Michael Collins as well and of course the Sinn Féin set it up really well they got all of their TDs together and they went en masse they walked in and that was uh, quite a sight uh, as well and of course the Sinn Féin leader Mary Lou Macdonald as was predicted and expected she won the highest number of votes when they took the vote yesterday to decide who will and could be Taoiseach in the next doll, but neither she nor the other candidates whose names were put forward, outgoing Taoiseach Leo Varadkar, leader of the Fianna Fáil party, Micheál Martin, leader of the Greens, Eamon Ryan, they all put their names uh, forward. None of them came close to winning a majority. So, as we said yesterday, the doll will now adjourn for two weeks during those 
two weeks. All the parties are expected to have further discussions, but certainly little sign yesterday that the stale mate that has emerged since the general election is likely to be broken in the near future. So I can see them coming back in two weeks and saying we need to go back to the drawing board again. Now, the Fianna Fáil leader, Micheál Martin, said he would seek to speak to other parties. Now, he is once again firmly ruling out even talking to Sinn Féin about a possible co- coalition and there in what was a lengthy Dáil speech last night he set out sharp differences between the Fianna Fáil party and the Sinn, Sinn Féin party over various policies because he says Mrs. MacDonald has praised provisional IRA units and over his view of Sinn Féin's democratic standards. Mary Lou responded fiercely by accusing the Fianna Fáil leader of having a bitter and narrow mind. She invited the Fianna Fáil leader to change his position. Leo Radker says it was up to the parties who had made promises for change to voters to now see if they can put together a government to deliver that change. Ari says they'll have to tell the voters why they're not able to do it. Leo Varadkar spoke to Micheál Martin by phone last night and the two men agreed to meet next week for exploratory talks. Now I'm open to correction but I think that's the first time both of them have spoken since the uh, election and the exploratory talks expected to happen sometime next week. No date or time on that. Fine Gael will also meet the Greens for talks next week and then of course Leo Varadkar had to leave Dublin last night for Brussels where uh, he will join a special summit of EU leaders that began yesterday afternoon. Of course, before he did that, he had to go travel out to Ors on Uchtaron. He had to tender his resignation as Taoiseach to President Michael D. Higgins. Though now he and the rest of the Minister of the Government all remain in office and it's in this caretaker capacity until a new Taoiseach and a new government is elected by the Dáil. Leo Varadkar said his caretaker government would not make new policy decisions because somebody yesterday was asking that. There was a text in yesterday from somebody saying, you know, if they're still technically in power and while they're not in power but they certainly hold the various offices could they start passing legislation and, you know, making all different decisions? Well, they can't. They certainly can't make any new policy decisions. Uh, he said they won't make any financial decisions or appointments unless necessary. And then, Leo Varadkar said, it would only be with consulting all of the opposition uh, leaders. So we have a caretaker government in place. And as I say, it'll be another two weeks. So they'll go back around the beginning of March. But like the stalemate still seems to be there. So I don't know. I don't know how miracles can happen. But I still keep reflecting back to what happened in 2016 when it took 76 days. We were well into April before we had a new doll from a February election in 2016. So my gut instinct tells me we're going to be talking about this for many, many more weeks. And right bang in the middle of all that, of course, is going to be... St. Patrick's Day and St. Patrick's Day is a great day for wearing of the green and flying the Irish flag and sending ministers and sending TDs abroad and I know every year people give out about the cost of sending all these ministers abroad but it's been proven time and time again that it is so valuable for Team Ireland and Brand Ireland and you know there are other countries would give their right arm to get the type of publicity Ireland gets every year on the 17th of March so it's important that we you know, best bib and tucker and that we send people abroad to sell Ireland to as many different countries and 
people as we can. And I know Tourism Ireland's their global greening lineup for St. Patrick's Day. That was announced yesterday. This year it's going to include the famous arena of Madison Square Gardens in New York. That's one of the new lists of global greening uh, places that's been added. Another new site going going green for Ireland's uh, National Day is going to be in Dubai. It's the Dubai frame. Has anybody been to Dubai and seen this? It's described as the biggest picture frame on the planet that will go green on the 17th of March. And the Smurf statue in Brussels will be joining Tourism Ireland's Greening Initiative. And this Greening Initiative started 10 years ago. And if I, if I did a quiz, I'm sure most people would, would remember the very first place, the first iconic building to go green was the Sydney Opera House. And that was back in 20. 10. Last year it's been building then over the years last year 500 buildings and monuments around the world went green for St Patrick's Day so it really is a very very successful initiative on behalf of uh, Tourism Ireland. Uh, Niall Gibbons of the Chief Executive of Tourism Ireland said that the global, global greening means that Ireland joins the top social media trends at this time of year. He said the eagerness of cities and countries everywhere to now take part in the initiative underlines the strength of the deep connection that people all over the world feel to Ireland bearing in mind that more than 70 million people around the world claim to have some links with this uh, country so it's one of those wonderful unique opportunities to reconnect them with their uh, heritage. It also gives this wonderful as I mentioned spotlight on Ireland from a tourism point of view and it couldn't come at a better time of year because it is the first three months of the year when people start to think, oh, where are we going on holidays? People are already starting to have the conversations and it's into March, kind of around April then, people start to book. So this is the time where holidays are on people's minds. So if you've got this spotlight on this beautiful country that we have, we make get many of those overseas visitors coming to visit, visit us. And if you're worried about costs, because as I say, there's... We don't know yet and and I checked before I came on air to see if we could find out is there a list of ministers and where the respective ministers will be going this year and there isn't but I did notice that last year when we had the government in place the list came out on the 22nd of January and here we are on the 21st of February and we don't have a list for this year so I don't know if it still hasn't been decided yet or they're deliberately holding back on making the announcement but for the greening up of all of the iconic buildings there is obviously a cost for Tourism Ireland associated with that but it isn't really a lot of money. Last year 275 icons were lit up in more than 45 countries and it cost only 49,000 euro. So Tourism Ireland say it was probably one of the most cost effective global marketing platforms. This year so far more than 300 buildings and monuments in more than 40 countries are going to go green and the cost is even less this year. It's running at around 20,000 so it's, it's a fantastic initiative and good to see more iconic buildings have been added to the global greening but as I say as of yet we don't know which of the ministers are going and where they will be going to. Now coming up on the programme uh, this morning in a couple of minutes we're going to be talking uh, with one of our listeners who wants to raise the issue of dangerous dogs and dangerous dogs being out and about without a muzzle which can I say is illegal. There's a dangerous dog act that has been in place, piece of legislation that's been in place for many many years that states if you're bringing out certain dogs from certain breeds you must have a muzzle and doesn't it also state that the person handling that dog must be over the age of 16? You can't have a child out, even if the dog is muzzled. 
walking one of these dogs around the neighbourhood because they're they're dangerous dogs and they're very strong dogs uh, as well. So we're going to talk about that. Um, are children getting too much school holidays? Uh, we're coming to the end of midterm break. The children went back to school. I had to Google this because I was wondering, it doesn't seem that long ago it was Christmas. And six weeks, they're back six weeks and they got a week off. Now some, I know someone who got uh, two days, but we're going to hear from a parenting expert and just asking that uh, question, Is it was it too close to the Christmas holidays? How do parents feel about it? Do they like the idea of having these breaks, these midterm breaks in the middle of the year? Or would you prefer, because it doesn't affect in any way the number of days children go to school in this country. They're set, they're set in stone the number of days, but there's, it's, it seems to be a little bit of flexibility about when they can take time off you and they can extend the summer holiday and the one thing I've certainly noticed and I know I hear some parents give out about it is the opening of the school year there's some children are going back and we're certainly still in August when the school opens and of course schools do that because that have them ticking off days in school and therefore they they can give a full week then for this midterm rather than maybe only giving uh, two days but I don't know for working parents does it cause some problems for them when these weeks come up you know particularly when they're only back in school after six weeks so we, we welcome your thoughts on that and we also welcome your thoughts on something we we put this up as a poll on one of our Instagram stories yesterday and this is an issue we'll address as well when we're talking about schools there's been a, a call this week to ban driving children to school. The, what the ban is, is to ban driving children to the school gates. I mean, obviously, if you live in the countryside, you've no choice. If there isn't a school bus, you have to drive your children to school. But the idea would, would be that you could not park anywhere near the school. You'd have to park it down the road and either, if your child is a smallie, walk the child up to the school gates or if the child is older, let the older child walk themselves up to the school gate. But the idea would be that there would be ba- a ban, a total ban around parking anywhere near schools. Now, I did see a study that showed the amount of air pollution outside. It was one Dublin school and they looked at the air pollution during the summer holiday, obviously when there was no cars outside of the school and then they tested it again when the children were back to school and it was huge, the amount of air pollution outside this particular school. Now, a lot of it is to do with this, you know, what they call idling of cars where parent drives up keeps the engine running while Johnny is getting out of the back seat of the car and then he has to go around to the boot because the school bag is in the boot and the school boots are there and Mammy is sitting or Daddy and the car engine is running and of course that's just adding to the air air pollution so I mean idling Uh, people need to think about that when you are dropping children off close to the school make sure that you're switching off the engine anyway we'll discuss that in the programme there's a problem with people using skip bags to dispose of household waste and household rubbish in parts of North Cork we'll find out more about that. We're going to hear about how the Mallow Brownies and Girl Guides are hoping to help survivors of the Australian bushfires. Also hearing from a business that sadly has announced they put it up on there on a Facebook post yesterday that they are closing. It's on Main Street in Bandham and it's due to all of the roadworks and the upheaval caused by traffic delays and traffic jams in the town. They feel they have no uh, other um, they they feel they just have to close down. Business has just gone so bad because of it. And it's Friday, so we'll go to the movies with Mark Malone. Today is the final day for our competition this week where we hooked up with... Atkins on the Carrickrahan Road, everything for the farm and uh, garden. And we've been giving away Husqvarna hearing protection. They're headphones with built-in FM radio. We've given a pair, a pair away every day this week, our final pair to be given away today. Now, H- Atkins are hosting a Husqvarna 
also more information evening. It's happening next Wednesday. Oriel House Hotel in Ballancolic at half past seven with admission free. And if you are planning on going uh, along, hope you bring a little bit of luck with you because one person who attends the evening next Wednesday will walk away with a free Husqvarna also more. So we've been playing a line of a song every day this week different song every day with a couple of the words mode off I'll give you your first listen to the song but don't call us yet because uh, we won't open the phone lines on this until later on but this is the song today for Atkins Just another manic Monday That's Ah, I've got this one. I have this one. I've been caught because I'm always making up words to songs, but I definitely have the answer on this one. Anyway, hold off on that. That's our Atkins competition. We'll play it a little bit later on your chance to win that final set of Husqvarna hearing protection with built-in FM radio. Let's take a break and we're back talking about dangerous dogs. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie Egg foil and mock quid then and here is far lane. Shot eight thrower C103 Air Kirkig. Is Marga Bay on the English market, Elorha Harkurki, in a will Ramesha Lahan Stali Agus Shastoin, Le Bushdari, Bokhari, Kanahori Aishk, Stali Glossary, Shapui Cafe, a Hodas Clohish, Agus Avadni Smo. Dinkor Oli was the high deal, when salt does an atmosphere, Nublasana, Agus Blafele, on Irgniv Shaw, a hand Shirgadin Vlien, Mila Shakir Sahokta Hocht. And my apologies, I've got the running order wrong. We're not discussing the issue of the dangerous dogs. We won't be doing that until the next hour. Now, if you have children of school going age, you will know that schools are closed as this is midterm break week just six weeks after the pupils returned from their Christmas holidays. So to discuss our children getting too much time off, I'm joined by Laura Erskine of the ParentingExperts.com. Good morning to you, Laura. Good morning. Now, Laura, this particular week does seem to have come around very quickly following the Christmas break. I mean, is, 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 is it too soon after the Christmas break? Lots of parents would think that it is. Children in primary school get... Um, 89, uh, or sorry, 65 school holidays and secondary school um, children get 89 days of annual leave in terms of school holidays. And it really is quite an inordinate amount of time off uh, in terms of breaks to allow our children to to rest in between all of the the lessons that they have to incur um, during the school day. But, you know, when when you look at the amount of annual leave that a parent would get when they're looking at their work schedule and how they're trying to balance the childcare during these midterm breaks, it's quite significant. I mean, the average the average adult would get about 21 days annual leave, um, and even if both parents are working, you're looking at um, you're only you'll have probably about two thirds of your annual leave looking at covering school holidays. The uh, the, the comparative over in France and um, the UK, even in Denmark, is that children get six weeks. Um, 
school holidays in, in the whole year, in, in the totality of the whole year. And that's definitely much more manageable for parents. And then there's the argument, of course, that children fall out of the habits of study and the routine of school that if they get if they get too many holidays. Well, I know certainly for secondary school, our summer holidays seem to be excessively long. But I remember looking into this a number of years ago and a lot of it at the time was to do with a different era when children were needed for labour. They were needed to work, particularly if it was a rural area, they were needed to work in the fields and and on the farms. You're absolutely right. That's how the the term time um, schedule was designed many, many years ago uh, so that children would be available to their parents to help on the farm in terms of crops and livestock. But society has changed so dramatically since then. Unfortunately, the school term timetable has not evolved with those times um, and is still stuck in this time. We're not even taking lessons from our European counterparts who have longer school days but less homework. Um, So there are definitely lots of lessons to be learned there. And indeed, the amount of physical education that goes into the school day um, or indeed the school week, we have half an hour of obligatory school, uh, physical education within our school week. Um, and that's all that's factored in in terms of the curriculum, whereas the likes of France have an obligatory 90 minutes of, yeah. of physical education per week. Um, and the reality is is that they do up to three hours in a week. And that's much better in terms of allowing children the downtime that they need in between the education of school lessons. And that's a better solution than all of this excessive school holiday time. Yeah, Hilary has contacted the programme. She said there seems to be way too many holidays for school children these days. Why do they need a midterm in February when they're just back in school after six weeks? I don't remember all these holidays, says Hilary, when I was attending school. Uh, there seems to be a lot of new holidays now. And I don't know if, because those days have been set for quite some time, haven't they? The 65 days for primary and the 89 for secondary. They have. They haven't been reviewed in more than 15 years. And it's something that's definitely worth looking into. The only thing that has been reviewed in light of the recent uh, bad weather over, say, the last five to six years is that schools have discretionary days now. So if we do experience a very bad winter um, and schools have to close for a period for a number of days because of the inaccessibility or safety of children traveling to school, that they can take days from those those midterm days and I suppose add them back into the school curriculum and that's why some schools um, this week in terms of midterm are only taking two days um, off and uh, and might have a longer midterm break in May before the, the summer holidays and I suppose that, that was hedging in case we had a really bad February and the school needed to close anyway and then they could pull back later on the May midterm. And I know, um, Laura, what annoyed a, a number of our callers last August was the staggering of the opening times for schools. And a lot of, you know, people were saying they could, couldn't possibly plan holidays towards the last two weeks in August because uh, schools were going back. And a lot of people felt schools were doing that so they could have extra time then for midterms. That's exactly right. It was all part of this scheme to hedge and, and sort of buy back a few days within the school calendar year in case of bad weather later in the year. Um, and it is does make it very difficult in terms of planning holidays. And, and as we all know, going on a family holiday during that concentrated school holiday time is, um, is very expensive. And as a result, what, um, what happens is, is then parents end up taking children out of school during term time because they can't afford the holidays during the peak summer holiday times. 
So um, we, we might take some lessons actually from France who divide the country into zones. And then these schools in uh, in the different zones, um, they all take their, their school term to holidays at different times of the year. That allows for tourism to stay within the country and not to be at, at exorbitant prices because um, the hotels are, are full throughout the year instead of just peak time. But you say in France, it's it's six weeks holidays. That's it. And that's the six weeks is the entire year um, worth of holidays compared to us where we have 65 days for primary school children. That's a big um, difference. That's a big difference. And I also liked your suggestion that you made. And I can see some people saying, brilliant idea of the longer school days and less homework. Homework, Laura, is just, I don't know any parent who says, yay, homework. And and usually when you talk to parents about midterms or time off, the one thing, the one advantage they will say, oh, thank God, there's no homework. Everybody seems to hate homework. They do because it's increasing in volume um, in recent times and parents have less time available to do it with their children. And then you look at the, the rise of anxiety and depression in children. And so the school's education system are saying, well, then we need more school holidays to allow them to recover from education. Whereas, in fact, if we had less school holidays, a longer school day and less homework, then it would be a much better solution. Allow the learning to take place in the classroom and even the learning where they're doing it and practicing it on their own in the classroom where the teacher is available, aware of the curriculum, aware of the new ways of doing maths and science and, and physics and all of those things that they're learning um, and there to support the child instead of parents who are so out of touch with the, the education curriculum I feel ill-equipped to help their children at home um, with their homework which is adding to the stress of both the parent and the child and then of course we've less time because most parent, most households, both parents are working so we're collecting children from some sort of an after school or extracurricular activities at between 5 and 6 p.m. Um, after the working day is finished and then we're trying to cram in a healthy nutritious meal homework and bedtime all within a two-hour window which which adds to an awful lot of pressure for families and I think if we, if we were to cut back on the school holidays have a slightly longer school day and no homework we do an awful oh, lot I think you'd get a lot of parents who would be happy with that. Uh, someone is making the point by WhatsApp that it's only the secondary schools that are off for the full week. Primary schools uh, are only off for two days. But I think that it depends on what primary school your child it is does. going to. Yeah, It does. My own two children, I have one who's off three days this week and one who's off five days this week. That makes it difficult for me to plan and juggle. Yeah, um, I've that, just dropped one off to pony camp. Um, and so it, that's it, a pain it, in it the boss, diff- isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it's when difficult you get to, to plan. Um, lots of parents actually do con- like sort of swap arrangements whereby they, they might agree to, to take a child um, and have play dates to allow the other parent to, to maybe work the following day and, and do that swapping arrangement so that keeps the parents happy and the children happy and I suppose is, is nicer on the, the bank balance in terms of the expense of putting your children into camps every day of the week. Okay, um, yeah, it's, I can see a lot of parents are, it's working parents, it's, I mean, stay at home, uh, moms and dads are okay 
uh, while it might be a pain in the butt to have the children home too much but certainly it's the working mums I can see loads of people saying just how difficult this week has been uh, Jim by the way is a teacher because the teachers are off and he said he hasn't ever had one single parent raise this issue that they get too many holidays but then he does accept maybe maybe it's not an issue they would raise with teachers and maybe it isn't OK and just before I let you go uh, Laura what did you make of the um, the call to ban driving children to school and it was tied in with air pollution outside some of the Dublin schools particularly bad that was according to the Green Party how how do you think parents would react to that a ban where you could obviously if you live in a rural area you have to drive your child to school but you wouldn't be allowed to park anywhere near the school I think it makes it really difficult um, for parents to manage. I think that, I mean, absolutely, if there were better transport links to schools, the problem is, is that in order to be able to find affordable rental accommodation and housing, we, we were not able to live as close to the school that we would like. So, And the transport links aren't always as efficient as you would hope for them to be. And so, therefore, children cannot use public transport and schools don't provide um, private transport to schools and, and central pickup points. Um, I think there's an awful lot of work to be done before ever we can bring in something like that. It definitely is the ideal solution or where you have uh, parents carpooling within a state um, to allow for less less carbon emissions and indeed traffic on the road um, and parents of, who are all travelling from the same estate to the same school sharing some of the load. Um, I think that would definitely work but there's an awful lot more to be done. It's not as straightforward as, as that. Indeed, right if you have to park away from the school a mile out in terms of great for physical exercise, not so great for, for children who are who are running late and uh, and need to get to school on time and parents who then need to get to work okay. um, by a reasonable time. All right, Laura, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Laura Erskine, who is with the parentingexperts.com. Uh, and we did an Instagram, our Instagram story, and we did a poll, should there be a ban on driving children to school? 54% said no to the ban and 46% yes. So that was pretty much uh, down the middle. Uh, Emer says, I get 21 days holidays a year from work, but within that I end up having to take nearly 12 days off just to cover days off from school. That doesn't include a family holiday or any other special occasion. Very tough for parents with all of these extra holidays. And hi, regarding school holidays, says this texture, the teachers have too much time. If they look at the yearly working day on a note, you would have over four months off each and they're paid for 12 months. Saying that children in secondary school have over two to three hours homework every evening, it is totally too much, but it suits the teachers to fill the curriculum. Six weeks a year will be more than enough for schools to close. And I hadn't realised that in France, that's what it is. It's it's tops six weeks, which covers the entire year. So I'm assuming, is it, a, is it two weeks at Easter? two weeks at Christmas and two weeks in the summer and it's made up of six weeks and that's it. But this idea of a longer school day but if your child stays in school longer the idea would be they would walk out the school gates they could nearly leave the school bag in there they would not be required to do any homework at, at home. How many parents would go for that? Longer school day are less school holidays but the payback to the child would be and to the parent would be 
no homework. 1850 333 103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie is one of the world's most popular performers. Selling over 150 million records. With 33 top 40 hits and 23 Grammy nominations. Now, see him live in New York VIP style. With C103. to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. Madison Square Garden on May 2nd. Stay listening to C103. Then text or WhatsApp every time Billy Joel plays. For your chance to get in the grand final. Billy Joel in the Big Apple starts Monday 24th with AmigoLoans.ie on Cork's greatest hits, C103. Now, Cork County councillors are seeking the introduction of new bylaws to prevent what has been described as rogue householders putting food and other household waste in skip-type bags and leaving it to rot on green spaces in estates. Mitchestown-based councillor Kay Dawson joins me. Good morning, Kay. Good morning, Patricia. Now, Kay, can you explain what these skip-type bags are and the problems that are emerging because of them? Yeah, I, I suppose I'll just go back slightly. There was a motion brought in by Councillor Willem O'Leary to the Municipal District last week on it, and I supported the motion. The skip bags are the ones you can buy in supermarkets and in shops for, for 10 euros. They're okay. big yellow bags, right? Yeah. Now, we have nothing against that service. That service used properly is a good service. Where we run into trouble is the person buys the skip bag, but they don't do the next piece then, which is to ring to have it removed and pay about 100 euros to get it removed. It's when, when it's left there with probably household and mixed rubbish in it, and this then becomes damaged and you probably have infestation and um, wildlife attacking it and, and next thing you rubbish all over the place. And you it's know. easy to buy one of these bags and there's no record of who purchased it? Or yes. is there? There's no, there's no record. You you just go in and you buy it with your shopping or you buy it when you're getting your petrol. They're often in garages as well. And then there's a number on it for when it's full that you contact the company. Is that, that and the way it works? And, yeah, and you pay the money. Now, you, there, there is rules around it as it is, exists. You can't put electrical goods into it. You can't put paint into it. You know, the, you can't put hazardous waste okay. or dangerous waste into it. But if you, were, um, if you were clearing out a house or doing some renovation work, you it, could... It, yeah, it's a cheaper way. Than, skips are quite expensive yeah. to get and you mightn't have that much room. And you might I, need a full skip, even yeah. a, a, a mini skip. But could the cost of collection not be included in the purchase of the bag? Would that that's, not sort that's it? That's what we were looking at. So we prefer to see that because then you've made the commitment that you are going to do the next piece. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, um, but this, I, I, Yeah, and then you could arrange it to be collected. Like the company say they'll come out within five days yeah. of you bringing them to remove it. Now, there is rules around that as the distance that it should be from a main road and stuff so that the truck can come in and get it. The other thing that happens, if you leave that bag sitting there for a length of time, it'll kind of decompose. So, so there's a good chance if you went even pay the company then that the thing would fall apart, you know? Oh, my goodness, my goodness. And and this is a problem right across the Fomoy Municipal District, is it? No, it's not. Um, um, 
uh, epidemics or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's one that all of us had come across that a neighbour is ringing because one of these bags has been in the driveway for now a couple of weeks, you know, or whatever, mm. and is not being picked up and it's full of all kinds of household rubbish, you know. And that's attracting vermin and wildlife and yeah, yeah and it's yeah. causing problems yeah. for everybody else. Yeah. And uh, have you had to, as the council, had to remove some of these bags in the past? Has that happened? Uh, um, I try not to comment on that because that, that's more of the council's, um, it would be the housing department would decide whether they'd get involved and remove it. Um, let's say there has been issues with bags like that for the council and how it was resolved then. I wouldn't be involved in that part of it. Do you know what I mean? Okay. You'd be notified in the housing section that there was a problem and the tenant liaison officer would deal with the tenant and, and they would come to a solution. But it wouldn't be... The council wouldn't rush in saying we're going to now remove it because you're, you're now saying that um, we'll pay for it. You know what I mean? You would start the whole... Oh, I know. ...of that behaviour. I know. Yeah. So what type of bylaws do you need to put in place? You see, we don't, what we said was we'd refer it back to, you know, the way we have strategic policy committees in the council for uh, yeah. environment or whatever, right? So the first thing we need to look at is what exists um, in, at the moment. How, how, how many guidelines are there for something like this? And how do you proceed then? How, like your solution, you came up with it straight away, Patricia. That was the one we were thinking would be the ideal one, that if there was some way that the skipper bag could be paid for for its collection at the time you bought it, it would eliminate a lot of the problem. Um, but we need to see what powers we have and what recommendations we could make. You need to get you need to get the comp yeah, you need to get the companies then involved. On board. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and would you encourage people if they see any of these skip bags to to report them? I know you've got an anti litter unit at Cork County Council. It, it, yeah, but, but but not to get overexcited if they're newly just after arriving yeah, absolutely. and somebody's doing a job in their house or something. Like, I can't say strongly enough that it isn't. We're not targeting people that are doing responsive, behaving responsibly with a skipper bag. It's the ones that are abusing it. And and to be honest, Patricia, they do contact the, the council or it, it's where it's a bit more challenging. You see if it's on council property, there is solutions. It's when it's on private houses and left there, that it can be more of a challenge. And did I read in the paper, there was the Mitchellstown Lions Club used some of their own fundraised money to remove one of these bags? Oh, no, they didn't use money. We we would have organised the removal of it. And But the Lions Club got involved? They did, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay, people need to be responsible. As you say, it is a great service when, when it's run Works properly. properly. Yeah, yeah. but the, but they they were never designed. Those bags have never been designed for for household waste and and certainly not food. But when I looked up the ads, they do take household waste. Oh, they do will, they? They will say on them because beforehand I would have thought they were only from masonry or if you were doing a job in the garden yeah. or you were doing a small extension or you know that kind of stuff. But it does say household. Oh, okay. On them. Okay, and it's, and it's an expensive way even to dispose back because I was looking at it. They cost about a hundred euros to take away, and they say the skipper bag will take about twenty-four um, bags of rubbish, right? Yeah. Well, if you have the price of a bin collection, yeah, you're yeah. not going to have ninety-five euros to pay for the skipper bag in one go. I, I, actually, when you said the cost of it, I was taken aback as well. I thought I, I didn't realize that, that is expensive. I mean, it's a great service, but it, but it is expensive. Well, okay. It'll go back to my baby that we need an immunity site in the Fomite Municipal yeah. 
yeah. district that you, people had some place that they could take this stuff without having a skipper bag at all. Do you know what I mean? And they are fantastic. Okay, we've, yeah. I'm over on time. Uh, I'll right. leave it there. Thank you for that, uh, Kay. I was hoping also uh, to talk about, but we'll, we'll do it another day. Uh, we've heard about the former uh, former staff member of Cork County Council, Mick Meaney. Do you remember Mick Meaney? He was the man who shot to worldwide fame when he set a world record for being buried alive in the Kilburn in, in London in the 60s. There's plans to commemorate him actually in Mitchellstown. We, we'll get, we won't get to it today, but we might get to it uh, next week. Let's take a break. We've news at 11 on the way. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie So, you've got a smartphone or tablet. Download the C103 app today and listen to your favourite shows on the go. On your phone. Tablet. Smart speaker. And radio. We are C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We've had a press release in from South Dock because, of course, as we know, we're hearing about this on the news. There is industrial action uh, on today, which is going to curtail the South Dock service. Now, South Dock tell us, and they want to assure parents, our patients, that no patient will be left untreated, but there will be delays today. If you're making contact, uh, well, it'll be later this evening when Southstock kick into their call centre at 1850-335-999. They regret any inconvenience caused and they do have contingency plans in place. The service for Southstock will be provided this evening in Bandon, Bantry, Cork City on the south side, Moy, Mallow and in Middleton. And uh, doctors are working as normally and of course they all say that if you experience an emergency you are advised uh, to, ca- to either call 112 or 999 or go directly to your emergency department. But if you need South Talk this evening, you can expect delays. Now, in the last hour, we were discussing with Laura Erskine of theparentingexperts.com about an argument that's been put forward that term times in the school calendar should be reviewed. And she cited the example that the midterm break the children are currently on uh, comes just six weeks after they return to school for the Christmas holidays. Well, Graham is a teacher and, and he's contacted me. Uh, good morning to you, Graham. Good morning. How are you getting uh, on? Not too bad. It's a busy, a busy household there, is it? Uh, well, I'm inside monkey maze. And oh, are you? Okay. <laughs> 100 plus kids charging around the place. Yeah, because like work, they're not all my responsibility. <laughs> Glad to hear. Okay, you have an explanation as to the way the midterms are set. Well, yeah, I was just, I saw the uh, point earlier and it just comes out to how could it actually be spread out more evenly because as it stands, there were six weeks, correctly, like you just said, between Christmas holidays and midterm break. But there's also six weeks between midterm break and Easter. And then there's another six weeks between Easter and summer. So how it could be... Um, divided up more evenly I'm not quite sure I suppose it's it's just, it's led to the argument of the amount of days off that schools get it's 89 for secondary schools and 65 for primary well the school year has been um, standardised as in the schools have to sit a certain amount of days um, for a very very long time um, no, I'm not saying look just because we've been doing something for a particular length of time it has to stay that way but um, maybe because I'm a teacher I've never heard a parent mention it to me in quite a while teaching. Uh, but then I suppose, as a teacher, I'm not one who has a direct say over these kind of things. But if it was to turn around that, let's say, you're going to lengthen the school year, um, there's currently enough industrial, from my perspective, enough industrial relations issues going on amongst teaching to start with. 
without opening up a brand new one before you solve the existing one. And I think um, you, you would open a major can of worms if you decided to go down that route. That would route. be putting it real politely. Uh, like I said, I mean, I mean, remember this TUI recently would have been on strike uh, to see my younger colleagues put on the same pay scale as myself. Um, there is, a fa- from my own personal observation, <laughs> there's a fair bit of anger within the teaching profession that things like that have not been rectified. There's no way any other kind of massive change like that is going to happen until... Personally, I don't think it'll happen at all. Yeah. But if it were to happen, it will not happen until the current issues are resolved. Yeah, and we're not getting any closer to resolving those at the moment anyway. That's well, that was interesting. Um, Minister, it was quite interesting. I saw pictures of Minister McHugh, yeah. um, who may not be the minister for much longer. Um, I saw pictures of Minister McHugh on the picket with teachers when they were on strike uh, about the um, pay disparity, which I found very, very strange because he was essentially pick- picketing himself. Yeah, but there was a general election campaign in... Oh, it was it was absolutely transparent as all. It's called. Yeah, it's I, co- it couldn't have been more. It's called electioneering. All right, yeah. listen. I'll let you get back to the kids and monkey maze, Graham. Thank no you for worries. that. Thanks. Very thanks. Uh, bye bye. Uh, well, this gives an explanation. It's been evenly spaced out. So every six weeks for the secondary school children, it won't be necessarily for the primary schools, but every six weeks when the secondary school pupils go back from Monday, they'll have six weeks to Easter and then they'll go back after Easter. They'll have six weeks, they'll have a midterm break. They'll go back after that and then they'll have six weeks and they will have their uh, summer holidays. Okay, some of your views coming in on this. Kean in Mallow says... Did Laura Erskine, your parenting expert, say the primary schools get 65 days off and secondary schools get 85? Well, secondary schools get 89 was, that she, was what she said, but 65, yeah, for primary. I accept that children need a break, but surely there is so much to be done for teachers in prepping work. It could be done in the school during the holidays. This seems to me to be way too much uh, time off. Well, what really got to me was Laura saying in France they get six weeks holidays. Now, I don't know if that's six weeks as in six five days which would only be 30 days off or if it's six weeks as in seven days a week so it would put it at 42 days but even if it was 42 days of which the children don't go to school in France it's still a long way off what young people do in Ireland when they go uh, to school and I think tied in with that in France they do all of their work so they don't do the homework then when they go home they've it all done in school and that's the one that I knew when Laura mentioned it that we would have a lot of people picking up on that Denise and Fomoy says oh please don't get me started on homework I remember she said with my own two boys it was a nightmare you could be at it for two hours a night and then she said what used to be frustrating was her sister see it depends on the teacher our, our sisters would only her sister's children could have their homework done in a half an hour and Denise's two boys would be sitting there for uh, two hours. And she said, never again. So she's obviously gone past the stage where she has to do homework. Catherine, thank you, Denise, for your call. Catherine in Glanmire says, I do feel now that with people commuting more, they really, schools really do need to be reduce, reducing the amount of homework. Surely a half an hour is enough. By the time you get home and you get a, a dinner cooked and ready, it can be half past seven and then you've got to head in and sit down and start super supervising homework. Children are not getting to bed sometimes until half past ten and it simply isn't fair because it's completely eating into any kind of family time. If you've got working parents collecting the children, getting them home, starting to cook the dinner, 
clear up after the dinner. Then you clear off the table. Time to do the homework. Yeah, I can sense. I certainly can sense your frustration there, uh, Catherine. So one of the pluses to having midterms, you don't have any homework this week for sure. Marina in Cross Crosshaven said, no matter what holidays teachers get, I wouldn't like to be a teacher. Not for the children, but dealing with the parents. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, teaching is it's a tough, tough profession. I, I'll, I'll tell you that. I do think one of the plus sides is certainly the time off, but it's, it's a tough job. Now, here's a parent on midterm who says, I look forward to the midterms because I look forward to spending the time off with my children. Even if I'm working, I know that they are at home, can relax and play rather than have to rush getting them all ready out to school in the morning. The reasoning behind the changes looks like parental selfishness. Does, don't have kids, says this texture, if they're going to be a hindrance on your life. That's a text. No, that was the name on that. Oh eight six two one zero three one zero three. Okay, some other texts coming in to us. I was reading in today's paper, says the listener, that the Cork University Hospital are having junior doctors doing their X-rays for the coronaviruses. Is this the way junior doc? Is if junior doctors aren't screwed around enough, working long hours and picking up the flack after the consultants? I believe me, I've seen it at first hand. The HSE are crying out for consultants to come back from overseas and abroad. They're throwing all kinds of money at them. Yet the future, those future consultants, are the junior doctors that we're talking about, and they've been treated like rubbish in most hospital situations. The whole thing is simply a joke. At least with nurses, there's a chain of command, and there's enough of them to make their voices heard unlike those of junior SHO doctors. And staying on a hospital theme, Maura says, Hi Trish, on Wednesday I was attending an outpatient appointment in Cork University Hospital. Now two things struck me. One, the state of the driveway as you're driving into the car park at CUH, it is terrible. It is full of potholes. Now with the price of parking and the money they make out of the parking, isn't it amazing that they can't fix the driveway into the hospital. And then on a second point, something that I noticed when I was there, says Maura, we all give out about children and technology. Well, obviously, sitting in the waiting room, waiting to for the outpatient's appointment, Maura says there was a lovely lady in there with her three children. Now, the children in age looked around 11, 7 and 5. The oldest boy, the 11-year-old, was had a colouring book. Colouring book and some crayons and was sitting there colouring away. Second girl had one of those doodle boards. So she was drawing her doodles on her board. And then the littlest, the five-year-old, had a book in hand. Not a phone, not a gadget in sight. Fair play to that, mom. And what a lovely sight to see. Goodness, I don't think I've witnessed a scene like that, Maura, in quite some time. And when you're in a situation like that where you have to bring... Now, I don't know who was going to the appointment obviously was one of the children I'm assuming was going to the outpatient's appointment but you know it was midterm on Wednesday so all the children had to be dragged along to the appointment and you need to keep them busy and you know these outpatient appointments the consultants do the best they can but there's always delays and you know all it needs is one patient either to turn up late or they take more time with the patient and the knock-on effect is everybody's late for the rest of the day so you do have to prepare if you've got children with you so I think that is 
fabulous whoever that young mother was to think that she had forward planned and each of the children bought something to amuse themselves with but it wasn't uh, a, a phone or a gadget that's uh, terrific thank you for sharing that with us uh, Maura 1850 103 and Pat when we're on when I mentioned at the top of the programme about the formation of the government now we still don't have a government uh, morning Patricia if the TDs and their massive salaries, says Pat, were stopped until they formed a government, you would see how quick they were to stop what Pat feels is blackguarding, hate filled spouting and they would simply get on with the job. 1850-333-103 and Mary was on to us at the close of business yesterday. My apologies Mary because I was in, I was doing pet questions so I didn't get to your, to your query. Mary contacted us to say, Hi Patricia I'm an Air customer and I haven't been notified about charging for emails. This was an issue we dealt with about two weeks ago. Anyway Mary said, was just wondering, are all Air customers being charged? Are are some getting their emails for free and are they still free? They're certainly free at the moment. And I'm assuming, Mary, that you have one of the aircom.net email accounts because we were contacted by somebody when we first mentioned this new 5 99 a month charge that AIR are introducing from the 31st of March in order for people to avail of their aircom.net email service and we were contacted by somebody who was an air customer and who thought that their bill was going to go up by 599 and when we took time to talk to the person they didn't have an aircom.net email account they actually got their emails through Google which is a free service so Mary if you do have an aircom .net email service then you will be charged I don't know why you haven't been contacted because when we looked into it and when I know we had people who got onto our air who spent a lot of money with air in that they have not just they don't just provide them with their phone they get their broadband with them they get their mobile phone with them we had people who say they get their TV service with them you know people paying a lot of money to air and we're very annoyed that they were going to be asked to pay five ninety nine a month. And with somebody saying it starts at five ninety nine, how much will it go up to? Uh, was another query that came in. So a lot of people were annoyed, and there was no freebies for anyone. It was across the board. So if you haven't yet had contact from the Mary, I would suggest you get onto them because you are definitely, if you have an aircom.net email account then you are going to be charged from the 31st of March if you don't pay within two months so they give you like a two week grace two month grace period which will be April and May and if by the close of May you haven't paid the 599 for April and May then the network air will delete your email account and you could lose everything so you need to I would suggest that you contact them if you haven't heard from them or maybe you're one of the people that are happy to pay even though I was we were slow I think to find anyone who was happy to pay the 5.99 particularly for something that's always been free and everybody else gets it free I'm open to correction but I think they will be the first provider of emails to actually charge for them because it's certainly all I've never heard of any of uh, anyone, any of the other service providers providing. That's not to say air starts that ball rolling. Will we see more of it? Or one of our listeners reckoned that the reason they were charging was they wanted to get out of it. They will eventually, you know, they'll uh, the law of diminishing returns. Less and less people 
because a, a number, certainly anyone who contacted us all said they were going to move. They were going to move to a new uh, email service instead, one of one of the free ones. So you wonder, is it a way out or not? They say that they need the money to keep the service going and to update uh, the service. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text WhatsApp 0862-103-103. C103 Jobs. Part-time bookkeeper is required for a minimum of three months. It's at Walsh Engineering Supplies. Uh, experienced chef and experienced baker slash confectioner required for part-time positions. Immediate start, that's in Mallow. While a butcher slash fishmonger required for Dano's Supervalue in Mallow. And part-time sales administrators wanted to work in Cork and in the Little Island area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie I can see there's a lot of commentary still coming in on schools and do children spend... Do they get too much holidays? Are they spending too much time in school? Is there too much homework going on? And I can see there's a number of people have uh, sympathy for teachers, including one person who texted in uh, when, and I did say I would not like to take on the role of uh, teaching. I think it's a really, really stressful uh, job. And uh, this texter says, uh, Hi Patricia, if you were a teacher these days, you would understand why they need the long holidays. It is mentally it, it is, it's mental and very weary. I have three teachers in my family. They come home mentally and physically exhausted. And it's not always the children, it's the parents. You're not the first person to say that this morning when somebody said they wouldn't like to be a teacher. It's not facing into children, it's facing into the parents that turn up to give out to the teachers. Now, Willie has contacted us from Glanmire. Um, good morning to you, Willie. Good morning. Now, this is interesting. This You want to raise the issue of the dangerous dogs and the, the dogs that must, by law, when they're out and about, have a, a, have a, a, a muzzle. Yeah. And you, it came to mind because you saw a picture. There was a, a fine picture on the back page of the Irish Examiner on Wednesday the 12th. Very, very nice picture. It took about a, a turtle of the page of the Examiner of a lady, Antis Patrick, from Arthur County Wicklow, walking her dog in Alsatian on the Wicklow Gap. There's a snowy morning, a lovely picture. And I was going to ring in then because what struck me was she had no muzzle on the dog. But I kind of long-fingered it anyway. I didn't ring until a few days later on, on Saturday, the 15th. There was an article on the back page of the examiner which headlined, Assistance Dog May Not Be Able to Work After Attack. And then there's a picture of a Labrador with a bandage around his head Gandhi, the autism assistant dog that was viciously attacked by a German shepherd. He suffered horrific injuries to his ear. Now, I had something that been on my mind because it's quite a common sight here where I live in Glenmire to see people with their adaptations walking them and I have never seen a muzzle and it's quite frequent. They're on a lead. They're on a lead but they're, they're supposed to be muzzled. They are supposed to be muzzled. And actually yeah. there's one lady she goes off here with a, a greyhound and an adaptation on, on leads. Now if anything happened I couldn't see her being able to hold them dogs back. And it may not be the dogs their her dog's fault but another dog could provoke them you know. And it could be catastrophic. Yeah. 
But they seem to, I've said to a few, you know, a few, one person, you know, you're supposed to have a muzzle on that dog. Yeah. Only laughed at me. Another lady said, are you guard? <laughs> <laughs> they don't seem to give it. Now the, fu- the funny thing is, I'm looking at the, the list of dangerous dogs, because this is, this. I mean, this this has been in place for, I think it came back in the 90s was when this first got got introduced. And the following are, and and they can also be crossbreeds of these dogs. The American Pit Bull Terrier, the English Bull Terrier, the Staffordshire Bull Terrier, a Bull Mastiff, Doberman, the German Shepherd Alsatian that you're talking about, the Rhodesian Ridgeback, Rottweiler, Japanese Akita, Japanese Tosa and then a band dog was also uh, added to it and it can be strains of crosses of any of those dogs. You must have the muzzled when in a public area. Yep. They've got to be kept on a short strong lead by a person over the age of uh, 16. Interestingly, Greyhound is not on it. No, well you no, can... but uh, but my thing is that, you know, if if one if the station or one of them gets nasty, the other dog definitely will, so but you wouldn't be able to hold two dogs. I know. <laughs> you know. And that assistance dog, I read about that, I, I, that story I thought was heartbreaking as well because that assistance dog and the, the one thing about that dog was they were saying it may never work again yeah, because yeah. They're very placid dogs. They won't fight back. Oh, no. Because no. I remember a number of years ago interviewing a man. He was a blind man and he had a guide dog and he was out walking with the guide dog somewhere and he said he could hear in the distance dogs barking and it's these dogs came and attacked. His dog just sat there and yeah, was attacked yeah. by and again that dog never worked again and it's the you know, it's 25,000 to train one of those dogs there's, yeah. there's a cost implication oh, yeah. but it's yeah. devastating on the person the guide dog owner or if it's assistance dog with a child it's just yeah but and if you and I mean it, it could have been the child listen uh, listen, don't, don't you always worry about that yeah. and yeah. on the spot fine of 100 euro uh, if you don't have the muzzle on your dog but I, I, I don't no, yeah that's nothing 100 euros like, and but, then there's nobody to, to police it yeah and that's another thing actually the guards don't seem to have responsibility in this area for some reason I, I'd love to know the next time you have the guard on to see what the situation is there Hmm. To ask him. Is it is it only dog wardens? But, and we don't have see, enough of those. You know, there's only two, I think. You know. Yeah. But you see, we have traffic wardens, and uh, that doesn't mean the guards don't take responsibility for the for the putting tickets on cars if they're badly parked. So why why do they exclude the dogs? That's a really good point. Yeah. And let's be honest, traffic wardens in the main are good at their jobs. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah <laughs> They're there's, probably there's a little bit too good. good. Around, you <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we don't we don't have enough dog wardens. But no. yeah, yeah, you're right. If yeah. and and the fact that it is legislation, I mean it is in law. Yeah. I'm just looking at the Control of Dogs Act nineteen eighty six. Um so I mean it is in law. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, I mean if it's if it's you're breaking the law, surely the guards yeah. the guardies should be able to go Yeah, yeah I think yeah, yeah the law the law enforcers. And I don't think I have ever seen on the paper anyone taken to court and fined for not having a no, muzzle. Well, you see, this is the thing. There's nobody to 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 enforce the law. Mm. And like as I say, until something very serious happens, that's just, you know, then they'll all be up in arms. And so, mm-hmm. and I say, I say, every day, there's not a day goes by here in in Glenmire that I don't see one when I'm out walking. And some there's some people have two of these and on leads. Admittedly, but without without muscles, so I'm I'm appealing to people out there that have these dogs. For God's sake, come on! 
Yeah, and they're dangerous dogs for, oh, they are, for yeah. a reason. Oh, for they a can reason. be very quiet, as I say, but I've seen little small dogs and they get all excited when they see one of these big dogs mm. and they can provoke the big dog. And, you know, and what can you do then? Well, a Jack Russell, and I, I, the nature of a Jack Russell dog, I mean, they think they're the bees oh, yeah, knees in yeah, the cat's yeah. pyjamas. They'll take on any dog. Yeah, yeah. And they won't come out well on the other side because Teresa, who lives on the Cork Limerick border, said it's proven that small dogs can bite as much as big dogs and smaller dogs can be more dangerous. Well, I don't know if they can be more dangerous, but absolutely, a small dog can can bite. But but a small dog isn't going to kill you. You can defend yourself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you come, a a big Alsatian or one of those Rhodesian Ridgeback, I mean, God, or a Rottweiler. I mean, beautiful, beautiful animals. But And there can be a strain in some of those dogs. That's why they're deemed dangerous. No nature is, yeah. Yeah. And then there's crossbreeding and all of that. All there, right. There's one other thing I would okay. say. The, the Department of Agriculture, I think, which uh, they come under their remit, why they don't run some ads. And, and, and you know, we, we hear ads there reminding us that we, our legal obligation to have a television license and the week goes by. But why they can't run ads to remind people, you know, of this uh, dog licenses and to have a muzzle. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. It's a serious, it, it's a matter, it could be a matter of life and death in, in, in some cases. And if these are. Aren't. Because remember years ago, and I know I did an interview with one of the farming organisations, they were putting a call out for it. Years ago, back in the 70s, I think it was, they were running TV ads to encourage people to know where Fido is at night. And that was to do with with sheep attacks. And I know there was a call from one of the farming organisations and we, we spoke with a farmer who, you know, I mean, he was emotional on air talking about going into a field and seeing your... Yeah. lambs and sheep destroyed and used destroyed by what a dog can do yeah. um, and they were looking for for those ads to go and I remember those ads it was yeah, Fido right. yeah mm-hmm. and somebody leaving Fido out yeah. alright ok Willie listen thank you okay. for that thank you very much and, and hopefully bye bye uh, have a good weekend and hopefully Willie's message will get out to people if you have one of those dogs that's deemed under the Dangerous Dogs Act please bear in mind it is your responsibility and you're breaking the law if you don't have a muzzle on your dog it needs to be on a short lead and you must be over the age of 18 or over the age of 16 and be able to you know handle one of those dogs I mean you certainly I don't think somebody going out with two of those dogs you know as Willie said all it needs is for another dog to come along and you know get aggressive towards them and you just don't you just really don't know uh, what's going to happen thanks to uh, Willie for his call to 1850 just a quick look at some of the commentary coming in with regard to schools and holidays and it's tied in with too much homework and looking at the French model where they have less school holidays just six weeks in court as opposed to 65 days for primary school pupils here and 89 for secondary schools should we look at that model but I thought Graham as a teacher says was always saying good luck there getting that past the teachers but uh, could we look at the model that we need to look at our school years should we have more time in school for the children but the idea would be that they would have to do homework uh, when they come home uh, Tess on our Facebook page at uh, C103 um, says morning listening to you here in Jersey good to have you along uh, Tess very interesting topics it's the same here in Jer- Jersey though in fact they get teacher in service training days here oh god I remember those do they I don't know if that still happens here in Ireland we certainly that used to be a big thing here in Ireland as well anyway uh, Tess says that's the norm in Jersey also she says if there's a fl- a tiny flurry of snow they'll decide to send the children home and the island comes to a standstill 
God, she says, I want to be back being a child uh, again. Yeah, and it's only when... I mean, we clo- our, our country closes down, and not for a flurry of snow, but when we get bad snow, we do, we, do cl- we, we do close. And it's only when you talk to people who live in countries where they get a lot of snow, like some of the Eastern European countries, people from Russia, people from parts of America, you know, where, where they prepare for the big winters every year. You see, we're just not prepared for it. And they laugh at us when we have snow or ice in the ground and suddenly everything comes to a standstill. But I suppose the other countries are more prepared for it. I didn't know that it's happening in uh, Jersey as well. And here's a great email to Patricia at c103.ie and here's from somebody who can speak with experience because this is somebody who's currently in the system and is a pupil. Hiya Patricia says is there a name on this? Did I get a name on this email? Alan. Thank you Alan. As a Leaving Cert student I feel I need this week this is midterm I feel I need this week off after Christmas as I've just completed two long and tiresome weeks of mock exams and so have a lot of students in other schools and that was both for Junior Cert and for Leaving Cert. It's only today Thursday that I finally don't feel somewhat tired. Even when we do get our holidays they aren't much of a break to us students with the load of work that we get during the school term and during the time off, particularly suppose the ones that are, are like Alan preparing for state exams. Some of the adults who maybe mightn't have children going to school have forgotten what it's like to be at school, how much of a workload we have and how stressed and upset a lot of our students feel. I'm so grateful to have this week off six weeks after Christmas to simply just recharge my batteries because I haven't been able to do so since our October midterm. At Christmas, I certainly didn't have time to relax. I was doing so much schoolwork, no time to study, sometimes up until one o'clock in the night. Actually, that was most nights. I feel like topics on radio shows relating to school and students and students' lives need to get an actual opinion and a view from a student rather from an adult who thinks they know what we are going through. Well done. Oh, we've put forward uh, your thoughts. That's in the student themselves. And, you know, when you say parents and, and other adults need to remember how stressful it was at, at school and, you know, I mean, I was at, me when me and Brian Baru uh, went to school, I mean, when did I do my Leaving Cert in 1980? I think it was when I did Leaving Cert. And yes, absolutely, it was stressful and all that. But nothing, absolutely nothing compared, I think, to the stresses and strains that young people, young Leaving Cert students are under today because we didn't have that rat race for, for the points system. I mean, certainly when I left school, there was still the, you know, the good old civil servant jobs where you did the, you did the exam for the civil service. There was the matric. Who remembers the matric where you were able, where you did that if you were going to college and it gave you another shot at the exam so everything wasn't just focused on the Leaving Cert uh, itself. But there was other avenues to go off and further your education and other avenues to go off and get work. Whereas as today, it's so much focused on the point system. So yeah, I have I absolutely have immense sympathy for our students. So it's interesting to see from a student's point of view, he feels he needs a little bit of a break simply just to recharge his uh, batteries. 1850-333-103 and Mary has just been on. She was listening to Willie who was on about the muzzled 
the dogs going around without the muzzles. Mary says, I agree with Will with Willie and everything he had to say on your programme today from Glamour. A man used to walk our road with his dog. Absolutely no muzzle or lead. Now, it was a big Labrador dog. I have a little Yorkshire Terrier, small little dog, and we always had a muzzle on him as he used to go mad for the postman. So I came home from work one day and the Yorkie had been attacked by the Labrador who entered our property. Our dog couldn't defend itself. Oh, my God due to the fact that we had put the muzzle on the dog our dog ended up dying from his injuries oh my god Mary that's such a shocking story I, when, when I was reading your comment and you said you used to have a muzzle on the dog I thought it was a muzzle on the dog when you took him out for a walk but it was he used to attack the postman when the postman was coming in so it was to protect the postman oh that poor little dog that poor little dog and for a Labrador again doesn't it just show that you can't trust any dog or you can't trust any breed of dog because Labradors firstly are not on the dangerous dog list and anyone who has a Labrador traditionally they're a very placid kind of a dog aren't they? but you just never know you just don't know what was wrong with that dog that day why did that dog decide to attack the little Yorkshire Terrier the little Yorkshire Terriers they're tiny little dogs but to think that Mary's little dog couldn't defend himself it's just dreadful Heart goes out to you, Mary. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Short Castle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln dried wood, and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie. Cork's more news at breakfast. Hi, it's Simon. Have a brilliant weekend. Monday morning, we kick off Billy in the Big Apple. Other than seeing Billy Joel live, what else would you love to do in New York? Shopping. <laughs> Strolling down Fifth Avenue, in and out of Gucci and Prada and Versace. Very nice. See you bright and early Monday morning for your chance to win and I'll wake you up with Cork's greatest hits. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Mallow Brownies and Girl Guides are this weekend hosting a coffee morning and sale. It's to raise funds for survivors of the devastating bushfires that raged for many, many months in Australia. Greta Hickey, who is the guide leader, uh, joins me on the programme. Good morning to you, Greta. Good morning, Patricia. You're welcome to the programme. Are you not called Brown Owl anymore? No, I'm I'm the guide leader, so the brownie leader would be called Brown Owl. Now, unfortunately, our Brown Owl passed away there nearly four years ago, uh, so it's very hard to um, assume the title now, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. It would have been my Brown Owl when I was a brownie. So, ah, ah. Um, but we have a new, we've Ange- Angela Knight-Leonard is going to uh, take that post now from September. She'll be known as Brown Owl. Okay. So, All right, it was just when I saw Guy Lee, yeah. I was a brownie and a girl guide for many yeah. years, and I just always remember the title of, of, of Brown Owl. Brown and, Owl yeah. and from my girl guiding and brownie days I I remember World Thinking Day and World that's Thinking right. Day is tomorrow. tomorrow just explain to people what that's all about well World Thinking Day so people that wouldn't be for a guiding or resource background Laura Baden-Powell starts scouts and then girls decided well we can do what the boys can do and then um, they started guiding so it's the birthday of guiding and scouting throughout the world so every boy scout girl guide brownie ladybird um Cubs, Beaver, they all celebrate tomorrow for Thinking Day. So it's just just one day the whole world celebrates. So that's one of the reasons why um, we decided to go with this fundraiser in connection with uh, Girl Guiding Australia. So um, 
the the guides in Australia have opened up all their guiding halls okay. for, for survivors that don't have anywhere to live for the moment while they're trying to be rehoused. They're doing uh, packs for them, clothes packs. They're doing packs for the firemen. They're also doing bandages for the animals. So, like, they're... It's like it's it's devastating what's happening, and it's still happening out there. It's just because of coronavirus at the moment, it's not making the headlines as it was. But they're still they're still continuing at the moment. There's still it. fires, yeah, yeah because yeah, they're still is. in their summer. They're you know they got some yeah. rain, but they yeah. they need a hell of a lot more um, rain. So, Greta, what's the plan for tomorrow? Well, the plan for tomorrow is um, eleven o'clock till two in the social services hall there by the youth centre on the way to swimming pool. Uh, so we're having a coffee morning, a cake sale, a bring and back. Um, we're having books for sale. We're having uh, loads of things. Anything we can make money for. And people can call in. Um, and the girls then on the day are doing the, what we call their hostess bar. So they're going to greet people and serve people at the table. And they'll invite people family and friends as well. So we're connect, connecting with all the things that we're doing at the moment within the unit. Okay, all right, yeah. and yeah. and then you send the money. You're going to so the money is going to the girl guides in Australia, is it? Yeah, yeah. They set up a special fund, so every cent we send goes automatically uh, to the relief fund um, that they set up. So, um, like they've they've issued um, well, they're issuing a bag as well for bonfire or bushfire relief. Um, so they're costing three euro uh, a bag. So every bit of that bag, three euro goes to the bushfire relief fund. So the girls actually will actually have a badge as well to commemorate what the work they're doing. Well done. Um, I just feel, um, I have a son in Australia for the last nine and a half years and I feel mellow people, there isn't there isn't a family out there that either doesn't know someone or has somebody in Australia who has gone to Australia, especially in the last ten years. Yeah. And I just feel, um, I, it just it just kind of clicks with me, you know what I mean, that we're so fortunate here now, I know we're getting too much rain and they could do with the rain and we could do with the sun, but anyway, um, you know, it's just I just and the girls themselves. When I put it to them, like to, to say, were the driving force behind us doing it. Uh, even the smaller ones, the five to seven year old age boys, they were all saying, "Oh yeah, I, I, I my auntie was in Australia, whatever." So the, the family they all know of, someone, yeah, all and then it something. got so much, and rightly so, it got so much coverage on the news. And I think for mm-hmm. you know the for children. You know, it's devastating for them to see the little animals that have been so That's affected. It. You know, yeah. yeah, that upset them a lot. Actually. Yeah, they said, that. they said the koalas and you know animals that they only ever see maybe in photos or up in the zoo or whatever. You know. Yeah. Um, but like that was heartbreaking. For, um, but that's at their level as well. Yeah, of course, of course, like, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, How many yeah. brownies and girl guides do you have in Mallow? Well, we're fortunate enough now. We start with ladybirds. They're five to seven year olds. They're the cuties in their red uniform. So we have fifteen of them at the moment. Um, we have thirty six brownies. We have thirty six guides, and we have twelve what we call senior French guides, well which are fourteen plus and. Um, so we've over 100 members between, between adults and children, yeah. yeah. Are yeah. you always open for new members? Or is always, there, yeah. yeah. My door, the door is always open. Um, I think the numbers are getting strong again over the last number of years because we're an all-female organisation. Yeah. And our, our, our ethos is giving girls confidence and we're going, like, we're encouraging girls to go into the STEM subject. So, like, we have a lot of different badges that go, work around that at the moment. We're also doing a new um, space badge, which will be launched in June, um, to get girls interested in space and the science subjects as well. Um, we have a new badge launched two weeks ago for Ladybirds, the Ladybirds Sleepover Badge. Ladybirds couldn't sleep over before, but they can go for a night now. Okay. Um, so we're always evolving, always evolving, you know, and we're also very conscious then of the um, 
oh, what you call it, you know, the environmental projects as well that are going on around the place. Like SDG 12 now is our big one at the moment on recyclable one-use plastics. So... And I have to say, I, I when I look back on my own childhood, one of some of my happiest memories would have been involved with brownies and girl guides and those. Uh, I know it was a much more simpler time, but those, uh-huh. you know, the over, the camping that we did and you know the day trips, fantastic and and great, brilliant for confidence building, absolutely yeah. brilliant for it, and just for making friends outside of your own, say, school environment, introducing yeah. it to other children. And especially if you're if you're a child, I wasn't a child that was much in sports either, and, and guiding and, and brownies gave me you know the confidence. And then I left it at eighteen, and then uh, twenty four years later, or tw- yeah, about twenty four years later, I, I, I well, twenty four years ago, I went back into it as a well teacher, done. you know. Well done. So well done. like I don't have I've no daughters, but I do have a granddaughter, so she'll be a lady born in twenty twenty three. Brilliant, <laughs> brilliant. Down the time, but like it's it's. It's it's been around for ages, you know, and it's something that's got very popular again, you know, kind of goes, you know, in in circles, like, but the girl, and I'm finding now as well that we're getting daughters of girls that were brownies and guys, you know, or maybe their nana was a brownie or a guy. Yeah, that's a lovely thing. Yeah, Mallow, it's Mallow nearly 50 years, so like, you know, it's still going strong, thank God. Long, long may continue. Will you you take part in the St. Patrick's Day Parade? That was something I remember doing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, In in full uniform. Okay, so tomorrow it is from 11 until 2. Yeah, in the in the in the social services hall. Social services. Everybody is welcome. There's also going to be some face painting there as well tomorrow, just to give a bit of atmosphere as well. And as I say, like there'll be secondhand books for sale, there'll be cakes, there'll be crafts, there'll be different bits. Come in and have a cup of tea or a cup come, of coffee. Come along and support. And there'll be a few savouries there. People don't want sweet things. You know, we the girls are just getting so behind it at this stage now. They're all excited. I'm getting loads of texts now the last couple of nights as well. You've, ever, you, you've all angles covered. Good luck with all this, Gresha. And uh, thanks, thanks, so thanks a million for joining us. Good morning Thank to you. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is the guide leader from Mallow. If you want to help support, and all of us, I think, Gresh um, is right. So many of us have family members living in Australia, but you couldn't help but be affected by the images we saw from those devastating fires, which which are still ra- still raging in some areas. There are more under control, but there are still more of them. And any way that we can help, here's an opportunity. If you're in and around Mallow tomorrow between eleven and two, why not uh, pop in and help support what the girl guides uh, are doing? You're listening to Cork today. On replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Can I say happy birthday to somebody? Because there was a, a call in to tell me that Bridie Hartnett in Clondalan and Fomoy is 90 years young today. Happy birthday to you, Bridie. Tony, Sue, and all the family were on wanting to wish you all the very best on your special day. And we need to send congratulations also out to Liam Fitzgerald from Butterbunch. And the reason we're sending congrats to Liam uh, last night, the Over Talent Competition held around in Mallow. And actually, Paddy O'Brien from the Over Talent Competition. I'm told was in town for the event and it was Liam Fitzgerald came out as the overall winner and Margaret sent me a text earlier to say a fine voice and a lovely song so I don't know what Liam sang but well done and congratulations because we were talking about it yesterday on the programme we were encouraging people to go along and as we found out yesterday the qualifier yesterday 
now we know it's Liam Fitzgerald from Bottomland going straight through to the finals so they're obviously not doing semi-finals this year for whatever reason and it's in the 40th, 44th year I'm sure I said yesterday of the over 60s standing competition and the final is always a cracking night out so congratulations to Liam Fitzgerald and best of luck to you in the final and I also want to give a mention to an event that's happening tomorrow in Skibbereen it's been organised by students from UCC and it's a charity Way and pay close sale with all of the proceeds going to the Irish Cancer Society and it's going to be held in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen. Now it's on from 11 until 4 and between 11 and 4 it's free entry but if you pay 3 euro if you go on Eventbrite you can buy a ticket and pay 3 euro to get early entry so you'll have the best pick of the clothes that are on sale and early entry is from 10 that first hour but you have to pay for that and the idea is you go in and you there's lots of hidden gems but um all pre-loved clothes and you go to all of the clothes and then you pay by weight that's why it's called a weigh and pay and you pay you pay by the kilo so you could buy very light clothes and pay very little or maybe you'll go for something like a big heavy winter coat that might cost you a little bit more it's a lovely lovely idea of a fundraiser and it's all in a very good cause because as I say proceeds are going to the Irish Cancer Society and it is on tomorrow organised by students from UCC in the West Cork Hotel in Skibbereen good luck to everybody involved there OK, competition time. Is John Paul ready? He is. Uh, phone lines are clear. OK, all this week we have been giving you a chance to win with Atkins, Carrickerhan Road and Husqvarna. They've very kindly given us every day a set of Husqvarna hearing protection. They're headphones, but they come with built-in FM radio. And we're tying it in with the fact that Atkins are hosting a Husqvarna also more information evening next Wednesday in the Oriel House Hotel in Balancolic. And the admission on the night is free and everybody that goes along a room with a chance, one lucky attendee on the night will be walking away with one of these uh, auto mowers from Husqvarna free of charge. So we're tying in that event with our competition and we've got a line of a song with some of the words mowed off. Here's today's song. You've got to tell us the words that are missing. So you need to sing the song in your head and keep singing for the lawnmower bit. Make a note of that and call John Paul. I'm singing it in my head. I make out this three songs and then a bit of an oh, oh, oh on the end. So I think it's three words. It's three words. Let's play it again. again. Three words, I think, John Paul. Is it? We're looking for three words. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I think it's three words are mowed off. What are the three words? Get dining, call a nine to 1850 333 Call a nine with the correct answer. We'll be winning our final pair of Husqvarna hearing protection headphones with the built in FM uh, radio. All thanks to Atkins Carrickerhan Road everything for the farm and a garden and while we are awaiting our winner let me take a look at some of your calls coming into the programme. Now a number of people are picking up on my chat with Willie from Glanmire who is worried about dogs large dogs and dangerous dogs that are out and about particularly the dogs that are on the restricted dog list 
where when they're out in public, they need to always have a muzzle on them when out in a public. They always need to be kept on a short lead. They can only be walked by a person over 16 years of age. The person must be capable of controlling uh, the dog. They also, by the way, must have a collar bearing the name and address of the owner at all times. I didn't know that until I did a quick Google search on it, but they must be muzzled whenever they're out in public. And Willie says he's just noticed in his own area because Alsatians was the dog in particular that Willie was talking about, the German Shepherd. He noticed a number of people in his area are often walking German Shepherds and they don't have a muzzle and he's even said it to some people who one person in particular who laughed at him and uh, he said like you're breaking the law you, you need to have it anyway that's uh, caused a number of people to contact us let me just uh, give you an example of some of the calls and comments we have in a North Cork listener says Hi Patricia I live near people who own a very aggressive Alsatian dog we're actually afraid of the dog and the guards will do nothing. So I'm assuming they've contacted on guard this year, Connor. I goes if a North Cork uh, listener, I don't know, can you contact the dog warden? I mean, if it's that aggressive to the point that you're afraid, I mean, I'm assuming you're afraid to pass the house, that the dog is is loose, that you would be fearful of, of being attacked by the dog. You know, if it's that aggressive, I would maybe get on to a dog warden, particularly if you say that on guard this year, Connor, we're unable to help you. But then somebody jumps in in defence of that very breed of dog, German Shepherds. Hi, Patricia, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. I always had German Shepherds. I wouldn't put a muzzle on my dog as their family pets. And once they have a, a muzzle on, people automatically think that they're vicious dogs. The Jack Russell Terriers often provoke other big dogs and their owners never care about it. So why should a big dog be blamed for everything? Anyone with common sense would not take a vicious big dog out in uh, public. And you see, everybody knows their own dog and I, I absolutely, everyone will say my dog would never do that. But the very scenario that you've painted there, a Jack Russell, Jack Russells by their nature, they're small little dogs with great characters. They can be snappy little dogs. I remember being a Jack Russell. I sidetrack you now, but Jack Russell is one of the reasons why Marsha, my daughter, is terrified of dogs. We were out for a walk and a little Jack Russell came charging out a gate, came up behind her and just nipped her in the back of the leg. Just, I mean, didn't slightly broke the skin, but it wasn't very bad. But it, I mean, obviously she's blind. She's deaf blind. She's a little bit of hearing, but she's completely blind. So she obviously couldn't see the dog coming was only able to hear it when it was very up close to her and before we knew it he'd nipped the back of her leg and because of that she's ter- terrified of dogs and the dog ran off after that. But Jack Russells, yes, they can be very protective of their areas and they walk around neighbourhoods as if they're cock of the walk and they walk around as if they're Alsatians. You can see them, they've got that sort of cocky walk about them and they do, they suffer from that big dog syndrome in their heads, they're big dogs and they can turn on and take on a bigger dog. But if you were to then have a dog, and now you're saying your German Shepherd, you know, is a very mild mannered, you know, very calm, peaceful dog. But what if on one particular day, your German Shepherd is not having a good day? Maybe he's not feeling well or whatever. And this Jack Russell comes out and decides to have a go at him. In a fight between a German Shepherd and a Jack Russell, I know who's going to come out the worst, even if it was the Jack Russell that started it. And by law, this isn't a suggestion that people with German Shepherds should have a muzzle. The laws are there. The laws were put in place to control certain breeds of dog and a German Shepherd is in the middle of that list. 
and it states that the dog must be muzzled even though your dog and, and I know what you're saying you get looks from other people but so what so you know that your dog is safe you know your dog is not going to attack another dog no matter what situation arises can't it attack another dog can't attack another human can't attack any other animal because it has a muzzle on and I wouldn't care if people thought my dog was vicious or not I would just know that because of the control of dogs the control of dog acts by law I must have my dog with the, mu- with the muzzle uh, on it. 1850-333-103 what else came into us on uh, dogs there was a couple of uh, texts in on this, if I can, a couple of WhatsApps in on this. Uh, Hi, Patricia. These laws for dogs to wear muzzles and are not being enforced. Well, Patricia, it is the law also that all pets should have a safe, dry place to sleep and also food and water. But you just have to look at the way some dogs and cats have been treated in this country. That law hasn't been enforced either. We need to help eradicate the cruelty which is caused by uh, humans. And that comes in from uh, Heidi. Thank you for that, uh, Heidi. And I think John Paul got some calls on dogs or an email in, sorry, as is Margaret by uh, email to us, says Patricia, there are no dangerous dogs. There's a list of restricted dog breeds. Absolutely. I think people just call it, refer to it as the dangerous dogs. But yes, it's a restricted dog breed list. These breeds suffer as much for their size and look. And according to Margaret, there has been high profile cases where a family pet has been taken off them and prosecuted because of their breed. Your listener asked what would happen if that lady with the two dogs met another hyper dog. Patricia, does it not come down to how owners behave? There are no bad dogs. There are bad and irresponsible owners and how right you are on that for sure. But I still go back to the fact no matter how loving your dog is and no matter what a gentle nature your dog is, you never can. Any of the vets that we've had on in this uh, programme Jane if she was in studio our, our resident vet Isha before her other vets will all say you never can 100% trust a dog you just you never know when that an instinct can just suddenly kick in and the most placid of dogs can turn talk to any sheep farmer who will tell you that when they track down a dog the owner of a dog who destroyed sheep and lambs in a field and the owner would be shocked to say my God you know he was Fido was so placid when he's at home I never thought he was capable of that so you just you just can't trust a dog is the point I'm making OK you can stop calling us on our competition please for Atkins Carrigahan Road everything from the farm and garden because wish it was Sunday is the line that we were looking for and uh, Trish Ronan in for Moy congratulations to you Trish you've won yourself a pair of Husqvarna hearing protection uh, they're a type of headphones with built in FM radio and once again thanks to Atkins and thanks to Husqvarna for the wonderful prizes that we gave away this week and good luck to their information evening next Wednesday Oriel House Hotel in Balancolic if you go along you could, you're in with a chance of winning a free Husqvarna also more. 1850-333-103. Let me quickly go to just a couple of texts that were in to do with schools and school holidays. And this kicked off earlier this morning with the parenting experts saying our children 
getting too much time off. Midterm break was it too close to the Christmas term? We've had well, we certainly had Gray, one of the teachers, on defending uh, how the certainly the breaks are done for this for secondary cycle. It's done every six weeks as the break, six weeks to the next. It was the way it's falling this year. They'll go back. They'll have six weeks to Easter. They'll then take a break. They'll go back after Easter. They'll have six weeks to the next midterm, and then that will take them up to the uh, summer holidays. Hi, some of your texts in on this. Breed says Patricia, I'm a secondary school teacher, and I was up until three fifteen a.m. this morning correcting pre-exams on my week off. I'm teaching for over 20 years. I love it, but school does not finish until four o'clock every day. And I agree with the Leaving Cert student, Alan, who contacted you earlier by email. Students that are studying particularly for exams do need time off. It can be a very stressful time for them. Love the programme. That's from Breed. Thank you, Breed. Nobody raises the issue. This is another. This is Francis. Nobody is raising the issue of the new junior cert specifications and the probable negative ramifications it will have on education in the long term. Real concern over the dumbing down of the content and learning. Is there anybody else worried about that? Says Francis. The only thing I've heard recently about the junior cert was the compul- they're making history a compulsory subject from next September when children go into secondary school when they're sitting the first three years for to junior cert they they will have to to Irish English maths and history but I haven't read anything according to Frances and I don't know if Frances is a teacher or not she feels there's a dumbing down of the content and learning of the junior cert uh, subjects and then Neve has come in with a really good comment about the length of school holidays Laura Erskins of the parentingexpert.com website said that in France children get six weeks holidays and I was really taken aback by that when you compare it to 89 days holidays for our secondary schools in 65 the junior student she said Laura said in France it's only um, six weeks and they also stagger I do think the staggering is a good idea because it, it not everybody's rushing them to go on holidays at the same time Neve throws further light on this subject and has actually got a correction for us. Patricia, I heard your piece about school holidays in France. I lived in France for a few years and my children went to secondary school there. They work on a six weeks on, two weeks off system. So they have two weeks off in, they start in September. They have two weeks off in October. They have two weeks off at Christmas, two weeks off in February, two weeks off in spring two weeks off in May and then six weeks in the summer. Spring break doesn't always coincide with Easter, says Neve. So that's a lot more than what Laura has been led to believe. And actually, I did a quick Google search on school holidays and I suppose it depends on what part of France because they split France up into Zone A, Zone B and Zone C. And that's how the holidays are spread around because of that it depends on what zone you're in as to when you take the winter and the spring breaks they're divided the Christmas holiday obviously is the same for uh, everyone and the summer holiday is the same for everyone and I can see on this piece which is for 2019 to 2020 so it's the current term that we're in at the moment they get all of July and all of August off and the school started back on the school term started back on the 2nd of September and then they had a half term break in uh, two weeks off exactly what's been said in that text in October into November. They get their two weeks off at Christmas and then they get a winter holiday and it is either in the end of February into March, the middle of February to the beginning of March or the beginning of February to the beginning of, to, to mid-February. They, they stagger that. 
and that's got a lot to do with ski holidays I know in France and it's the same with the spring uh, break and then they all take a week again towards the end of May when everyone is off at the one time and then they all on the 4th of July 2020 they'll all break up for the summer holidays so it is longer than what Laura led us to believe thank you to Neve, uh, who went through the schooling system in France and was able to point it out to us and Frances by text Hi I'm a teacher I'd like to emphasise that my work does not begin and end with the school day. Correcting and planning takes a great deal of time and with the greater and broader needs of students in our society, work continues well beyond the school week. The amount of learning and mental work that young children and teenagers undergo is extensive. The break allows them to recharge young and developing brains and minds and it also allows them to spend time at home, learning with families, playing and developing other social skills. Due to the need for both parents to work travel time, length of the working day. Parents clearly have a number of issues and problems but have less time to spend with their children. In this changing society, perhaps there needs to be more emphasis put on giving parents time to be with their young children rather than more time away from their children, says Francis. So instead of pointing the finger of blame and saying children need to be in school more, do we need to look at working parents and say working parents need to be off more to coincide with more of the holidays. Thank you for your input uh, Francis to 0862 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council Supporting businesses, supporting communities Serving Cork Visit corkcoco.ie The Ahakira Drama Group They're performing The Real McCoy It's at the West Notch Hotel in Bantry It is on tonight 8 o'clock Tickets can be purchased at the door Kinsale Girl Guides They are hosting a mid-term coffee morning and bake sale in the Temperance Hall in Kinsale today a €4 Euro entrance fee where you get tea, coffee and a scone and children go free and the money is being used today raised today to go towards their trip to the Guiding World Centre in Switzerland this summer Fundraising bingo in aid of the Friends of McCroom and Dunmanway Hospital in Shagila Hall tonight that starts at 8.30 Bingo's on at Kildallery Community Hall tonight an 8.30 start as well Canturk Vincent's shop they've got a 2 euro sale this weekend everything in the shop 2 euro or less Jake Carter is starring in the musical The White Lady of Kinsale that's running in Kinsale Community School tonight and tomorrow at 8 o'clock Dancing to Adrian Ryan going ahead in Kilbehany Community Centre that's happening tonight half 9 until 12 tea and cakes will be served and Clyde Rovers GAA their annual lotto draw is on in Derry Murphy's Bar tonight with a jackpot of €5,100. Tickets are available from Jerry O'Donoghue. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Smokeless coal, turf, gas and kiln-dried wood. Open late seven days. Lowcostfuel.ie This is the Court Today replay on C103. Okay, and some of your, a lot of WhatsApps uh, flowing into us at the moment. Let me take a quick look at uh, some of them. Audrey says, where dog owners are concerned, uh, a few owners simply don't care about the laws that are there. That's from Audrey, who adds on that she was delivering flowers one day and she was attacked by three Jack Russells. She said, I was absolutely terrified. On schools, as somebody who works in a school, I can tell you the children are totally exhausted, as are the staff when it comes to midterm. Parents are all for longer time in school, but they are the very ones who then head off on two weeks holiday whenever it suits them. 
outside of school times. Maybe we could follow the doll and all have longer holidays for everyone. Wouldn't that be great? And just staying on the doll, somebody is querying, and I don't know if I can find it now, but somebody was querying what will happen at this Patricia, it looks as if uh, this is. It looks as if the only way that a government can be formed is an agreement to form a coalition between Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael. Now that we know that they are looking to talk to each other, would the voters be able to object to this and insist that there should be a second election to try and get a majority government elected that would be able to implement real change? I don't think so. I mean, we live in a democracy. We vote in the TDs and then we say to them, go in now and form your government. And if it turns out that Fianna Fáil, Fianna Gael, and it looks like they're going to talk to the Greens, they will have a majority then between them, a grand coalition, as it was called. No, I don't think there's any way that the electorate can decide, sorry, that wasn't what we voted for. You're going to have to wait until that government either runs its course or fails and then you'll be able to go back out. They'll be able to go back out to the people. And just to find one of the government, Michael, Patricia, yesterday we see Mary Lou Macdonald and Sinn Féin getting the highest number of votes for the position of Taoiseach of this country. Yet Sinn Féin constitution does not recognise this state that was established in 1922. They do not recognise the Defence Forces or the 1937 constitution. The minimum requirement to enter government in this state would be its amendment to recognise the state and its Defence Forces. There could be interesting times ahead says Michael by WhatsApp to 0862103103. Now we spotted a post up on social media that was posted by the Little Red Fish Company which is based in Bandon saying that it is with great regret that we have to announce the closure of our store in Bandon. The owner of the Little Red Fish Company is Lar McCarthy who joins me. Good afternoon to you uh, Lar. Hello Patricia. Uh, was there a lot of soul searching before this decision was made? Uh, there was indeed um, with the last two to three months uh, it, has a, it has been on my mind but um, this all comes down to the roadworks which are going on in Bandon at the moment and uh, it just came to the point where it was unsustainable and we had to make the decision to, to close the store. Have you figures on what what the foot the footfall and how much it's down by since the work started? Well, the work started over 12 months ago. The yeah. first phase was the river. And in fairness to the company that done that, they've done a fantastic job and they ran a very efficient uh, roadworks stop-and-go service, which, you know, which didn't affect the town too much. But then they went straight into the drainage of the town with a different company uh, is doing that. And um, it just it completely destroyed the town. And it was at that stage, that was about six months ago, our takings, it was like turning off the, the tap, went down nearly 50%. Wow. And, so, uh, and while your takings go down, your overheads all remain in place? Oh, absolutely, yeah. I mean, you still have the same overheads every week and you still have the same wages and, and costs to cover. And, you know, uh, you you can sustain this for a while, but, you know, there's there's going to be another 18 months of this in Bandon at least. So, like, it just would not work at all because at the end of the day, you know, you're in business to try and make a few bob and if you can't do that, then, it's, well, you know, yeah. you're wasting your time. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's, it's, it's a fishmonger's business, is it? It is, yeah. We had a seafood shop there, a fish shop, and we had a seafood takeaway there as well, a lunchtime service of hot food. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and all uh, gone? All gone, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, um, unfortunately, we, we had to close the store this week. 
What reaction did you get to your post? Oh, it was like everybody's so sad and, and, and um, you know, sorry about it. But, you know, for us, it's the saddest part, I suppose, is, you know, the people of Bandon and, and the surrounding areas have been very, very good to us and very loyal to us. Um, I think in our three and a half years there, we, we've never, ever had a, you know, a complaint or a bad word with anybody. You know, it was just a real, real friendship with these people. So that's, you know, that's, and, and of course, our, the, the two staff that were working in the shop. That, Job's um, gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that's Job's gone. Now, you do have a delivery business. You're going to keep that going? Yeah, yeah. We, we've been doing that for, for years and uh, we kept that going all the while and that's growing away steadily. And, you know, we have a, a, a lot of customers contacting us to, you know, can we include them in our rounds? And we will be, you know, delivering to Bandon two days a week. So people will still be able to get their fish from us, you know. And, and you call to, you, you, that's a, is that a door to door service? It is, yeah. It's a door-to-door service um, to houses covering from Skibbereen to uh, Cork City and we supply restaurants and hotels as well. Fantastic. It's fant- and so yeah. how, can, how can somebody just get a plug-in? How can somebody put an order into you? Yeah, it's just our, our telephone number, which is, can I give it a shout Please do, there? please do. Yeah, it's 83 and also on our uh, our Facebook page as well. You which, can message us there. which is the Little Red Fish Company. There's yeah. Little Fish Co. And 083-103, I like your phone number, 103-43-87. Could you see yourself when all the roadworks are finished, Lar? Could you see yourself reopening? Um, possibly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I would never rule it out. I suppose I, I've always said, you know, I never rule out anything because you just don't know what you'd be doing in 12 months' time. But... Um, Definitely, if things picked up. Now, I, I, I do have a firm belief that towns in general, and you can see this in, in, in West Cork, you know, are suffering anyway. I mean, when you look at Aldi and Lidl and these other big super chains that come into towns, they're all going to the outskirts of yeah, towns. Yeah, where the town centres are getting devastated. It, it's, a sad, it's a sad reality of, of yeah. the way life is going. Like, you know, and you can't, you know, you, you can't fight against that. You know, you have to you know, evolve and try and go with it as much as you can. So that's, that's maybe something well, I'd be... Well, I think the delivery to. service is really unique. So, so well done on that. Well done it on is, that. Yeah, that's, that's going back uh, six generations in, in my mother's side of the family. My, um, my grandfather used to buy fish off boats in, um, in Kinsale and with a donkey and car and work <laughs> his way all the way to Castleton Bear. Go away. Sleeping in farmer's sheds at night and then he'd, arrive in Castleton Bear and buy more fish and work his way back. And that was his weekly round. My God, simpler times, eh? Absolutely. Imagine with health and safety now doing that. Yeah, I just have to pull the donkey out now and try and get him him going. (laughs) Listen, we wish you luck with the business, uh, Lara. I really am saddened. I I hate to see a business close, particularly a business on the main street. And I know all the neighbouring shops and all the other shops will be be so saddened uh, for you as well. The people of Bandon, you know, like for what they have gone through with the last 10 years with floodings and so on, they're the most resilient people in the whole country. I mean, they have come through floods and, you know, they've been washed out of it and roadworks and, and, you know, they're still standing and, and, you know, fair play to them. I I just hold, you know, I take my hat off to them. They're absolutely amazing, you know. And, you know, and and the people of the town that do come in to support them, even through all these roadworks, like, and that have supported us as well, like they are, they're the salt of the earth, you know. Well done, well done. Okay, good luck to you, Lar. Um, Patricia, if there's something else there, I could just give a little shout out to Go if on. you don't mind. Yeah. There's, <laughs> yeah. 
There's a Rossmore Drama Hall. Yeah. There's a, there's a lovely play on there tonight called Sharon's Grave. A, a fabulous play. John B. Keane? Yeah. yeah, John B. Keane is on tonight. Are and, you in it? Uh, I'm in it, yeah, <laughs> for my sin. <laughs> so it, it's definitely worth coming. It's a great night out. It's definitely worth coming to see. Are you on the festival circuit this year? We are. We're, yeah. we're starting in Sunday night in Russian in Dublin. All right. Yeah, you, you, yeah, you're one of the groups that always do uh, really, really well. You're, you're a talented bunch. Good luck with that as well. Thanks, Lar. Thanks very much, Patricia. Bye bye, bye bye. Lar McCarthy there from the Little Red Fish Company with that sad news that they've uh, closed their doors, unfortunately, in uh, Bandon. And just staying on Bandon, Margaret said, Patricia, will you mention that the Bandon Pioneer Social is on in Gaggin Hall tonight at half past nine. Music is by Lee Sound. Court today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Lowcostfuel.ie is one of the world's most popular performers. Win your way to Billy Joel in the Big Apple. Madison Square Garden on May 2nd. Stay listening to C103. Then text or WhatsApp every time Billy Joel plays. For your chance to get in the grand final. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. It's the Kia Summer Sticker Sales Event, so give your friends something to look at. Like a B&B with an ocean view, an endless field of wildflowers, or a sunset that needs no filter. Make this a summer to share and save with a capable Kia SUV or powerful sedan. See your local Kia dealer or visit Kia.com to learn more. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Sale applies to purchase of specially tagged 2024 vehicles only. Quantities are limited. Must take delivery by 7824. Billy Joel in the Big Apple starts Monday 24th with AmigoLoans.ie on Cork's greatest hits, C103. Mark joins me in studio. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, okay, we've a busy programme today. You went along to see Birds of Prey. Let's take a quick trailer from Birls of Prey. This is our story. They have my diamond. I think you can manage a couple girls. like a billion, I If he gets the diamond, you'll be unstoppable. Yeah, that's not gonna happen. I love you when you call me crazy. Well, you him, baby. Nothing gets a guy's attention like violence. Yeah. 
if nothing else, I love the full name of this movie. It's Birds of Prey and the fabu- fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn. Best joke of the whole movie, though. Is that it? Oh, yeah. OK. Go on, what is it? The Joker? Uh, yeah, when, I, when the Joker isn't involved in this. Um, this is the follow-up to Suicide Squad, which was the DC film from a few years back with um, uh, Will Smith, which I didn't like at all. I thought it was dull and I thought it was boring. And it was at that time when DC films, you know, were just getting their arses kicked, you know, by Marvel. And the, the, one of the reasons was is because the films were really, really boring. And I didn't like it. The best thing in it, though, was the, the, the character of Harley Quinn, uh, played by Margot Robbie, who was very, very good. And she's always wanted to kind of make, um, uh, but not so much a sequel, but her own kind of standalone film. And it was up to her. I mean, Margot Robbie went and produced this. She went in front of the money and she produced it and she's in it. And uh, and it's because of her that this film exists. You know, it's like a, a kind of a, a feminist kind of retelling of the whole kind of DC kind of uh, uh, comics kind of um, thing. And it's it's it's. It's an interesting film because I think it's it's got a kind of a weird kind of a look to it. It's directed by Kathy Yan, so it's uh, this kind of feminist kind of uh, movie which it, it lives in a kind of a very much kind of male dominated world, and so okay. therefore it tries to kind of I think at times kind of out male the men a bit with the, with the violence and the violence kind of it, it's a bit kind of bone cracking at times, and I think that's a pity. Uh, but it does kind of keep and is very much aware of its kind of comics kind of background, and because it looks that way, it looks like a comic kind of brought to, uh, to life on screen. And Margot Robbie is terrific once again, I'm glad to be able to say, as uh, Harley Quinn. So basically what's happened is now she has split with the Joker. And the problem with that, though, is because now she has basically... Uh, she has nobody to look after she has nobody to guard her she's, she's on her own she's on her own and she's uh, open season for every bad guy out there whom in the past she has wronged so they are going after her she teams up with uh, Rosie Perez who plays the, the, the character of Renee Montoya who's this police woman who's basically trying to um reveal the dirty deeds of our bad guy here. Ewan McGregor finds that uh, because she's a woman, she can't do that. And so therefore basically goes rogue. We end up, uh, we meet uh, Mary Elizabeth Winsett, who plays the character of the Huntress, uh, which is one of the best characters in this as well. Uh, Ewan McGregor plays this uh, character good called Good line of a ca- good cast. The, the cast is very, very good, yeah. And uh, so this little girl in the film, uh, she steals this diamond from Ewan McGregor, swallows it. And so therefore him and his henchmen go after her uh, whilst Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn teams up with the other women to fight against her. So basically, Basically, what it is, is just an accent film from kind of start to finish. But I was very bored by it. And I, I watched it with the teenager and she kind of loved it. She, she loved the fact that these four women were kicking bottom yeah. uh, out there. And it was directed by a woman. So, you know, for her feminist leanings, you know, were kind of satisfied by it. And there were times when she would kind of look at me and say, this is the best film ever. Uh, but then again, she loved Suicide Squad, which I didn't. And I found it kind of very, very similar to here. I was very, very bored throughout a lot of the film. Yeah, I just thought, look, you know, it's all very derivative. We've seen it all before. The action sequence and the way in which you know they're they're directed, I just thought I've seen all this before, and I was very bored. Mark it out of ten. Uh, five. Five out of ten. Okay, I'll give you four minutes to talk about a movie I really oh. want to see. Judy. Uh, Judy Garland, yeah, played here by uh, Renee Zellweger. It's basically about Judy Garland's kind of the, the, the final kind of year of her life. Um, okay, so it's just the final year. There are flashbacks and interesting flashbacks too because there's a the very interesting flashback where it goes back to The Wizard of Oz and Louis B. Mayer and Louis B. Mayer telling her, look, you can be anything and be uh, you want. You'll be bigger than Shirley Temple 
but you just have to keep it on your weight. And so there's another scene, another flashback with Mickey Rooney, where Mickey Rooney's eating this burger and she's not allowed to eat the burger. And she tries, she eats a French fry and Louis B. Mayer's assistant uh, castigates her and says, you are not allowed to eat this food. Here are amphetamines and taking these will control your diet. And I oh think, God. and basically what the film is saying, this is where a lot of Judy's problems happened as she constantly kind of uh, throughout her career uh, and as she got older, just abused her body and she was uh, abusive of herself mentally, I think, and physically with alcohol and drugs uh, just to keep her going. At one stage, uh, one of the, her kids turned to her and, and, and while she's taking a pill and they say, are you going to fall asleep? She says, no, this is one of the other ones to keep me awake. And so wow. near the end of her career, uh, pretty much the last two years, she is invited to London because her career is dying everywhere else. In the States, she's just singing for $100 and she gets kicked out of her hotel room. So to keep her kids, uh, her uh, third husband wants to take the kids uh, back uh, from her. She goes to London um, as a kind of a, a swan song where um, uh, she is at least paid quite well to um, perform a series of um, performances in London. And once she's falling apart, um, Jessie Buckley is an Irish actress who plays the character of Rosalind Wilder. She's in Chernobyl. Uh, who is, she's an extraordinary actress mm. and she is there to try and get Judy on stage whilst Judy is off stage, just breaking down through nervousness, uh, through drug abuse and alcohol abuse. And it's, it's, it's very, very sad, but not always. You know, there okay. are some positive parts to it. Uh, Renny Zellweger is terrific. I mean, she is fabulous. And if you loved uh, Judy Garland, you will love the film. Uh, yeah. And uh, like there's nothing in it that we didn't know about, if, if you know what I mean. I mean, no. I think I think everybody knew the, the troubles, the troubled person, I suppose, that Judy Garland was. Yeah. And it's all there on screen. You know, I think it's a pity, though, that the film decided, look, you know, there are flashbacks to 1939. 30 years later, basically, that whole section in between is completely ignored. And I'm sure she had happy times there, but they decided look we're going to concentrate on her final basically the final year of her life where really uh, she became a shell of a person really which was wow. a terrible pity while she was desperately trying to kind of look after her kids earn enough money but at the same time was just breaking down But is it pointing the finger of blame Mark at, at others rather than saying this was all Judy's fault? Um, I think what the film as I say it does is though it, it tries to make you understand that from very early on in, in her career she was basically told look you know you have got to control your weight and so therefore a lot of the drugs that she was later on used using came from that period and uh, so yeah the film is kind of targeting that kind of early part of her career um, and, and the starts of her drug abuse Sad Yes, yeah. uh, it's quite heartbreaking at times. It, it really is. is, but it's very joyous too at times. You know, the songs that there, Renee Zellweger can sing. We know that. And she's absolutely terrific. And there are times when it's really funny. A doctor said to her at some stage, you know, do you take anything for depression? She says, four husbands, but it didn't work. <laughs> so, you know. OK, so there are, there are lighter moments. There are. OK, and of course, um, Renee, <laughs> she, I think, was it a BAFTA she won, I'm sure, for the role? She got nominated for the Oscar. She got nominated for the Oscar. I don't think she won the but Oscar she didn't. she didn't win the Oscar, but no. well, if she had one it would have been well deserved she is extraordinary it has to be said in the yeah. film there are times when she, she is slightly does she mannered. look like her oh yeah I think she had prosthetics to make her nose oh, a little she? bit longer okay. so she does look like Judy yeah. it's very good if you're a fan you know you don't want to miss the yeah. film do, okay. do and it is simply entitled Judy yeah, it's, it's beautiful simply yeah. okay and you can that's uh, streaming or on uh, DVD market out of 10 um, 9 9 yeah. 9 out of 10 okay that is Judy thank you for that uh, Mark have a lovely week and we will talk to you next week now Nick Richards is up next turning up the feed Feel good factor with these tunes.
And that's where I leave you for this week. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. We'll talk to you on Monday morning at 10 o'clock. Until I'm Patricia Messenger, good afternoon. Cork today on C103. With a solid fuel depot at Drew's Fuel and Go. Shortcastle Street, Mallow. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cosy nights in. Lowcostfuel.ie.